You are listening to WERA 96.7 FM, Arlington, Virginia. This is your girl Yazzie Speaks on Millennial Minds. Today, we have Miss Reina Inquano. She is a lawyer and just graduated from the University of Maryland Law School. She is a scholarships alumna, and she is currently a judicial law clerk for a judge in Maryland. Welcome, Reina. Thank you, Yasmin. Yes, I'm so happy to have you here. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. So you just had um, a very beautiful celebration. Mm-hmm. It's like a, what, what's the formal term of that? It was a party or? So, yeah, I guess you could call it a party celebration, all of the above. I was celebrating graduating law school, taking the bar exam, all of the above. Um, it was kind of the first time I was seeing some of my family members in a long time because law school was a enduring process. So sometimes family members live out of state. I had um, like some you were my, basically on lockdown. Exactly. Nobody. Could, nobody right. And especially during the bar exam. So I had aunts come from out of the country. Um, oh, wow. And so it was just it was great. It was yes. Great. Yeah. yeah. And so they I loved how your family and friends, they were saying the new barrister, the new barrister yes. in town, the new barrister. <laughs> So it's funny because I had never really heard that term. Really? For, yeah, for lawyers or for counselors. Mm-hmm. But I but I learned that like in Europe mm-hmm. and um, perhaps in, in other countries and maybe even Cameroon, like yeah. you usually refer to lawyers as barristers. Let's start from the beginning. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So tell us um, who you are and um, where you grew up and sort of... Um, what you're doing now. I am originally from Cameroon in West Africa. As she said, I grew up in Maryland um, from the Southwest province of Cameroon, um, Anglophone background. And so, as she said, I just graduated law school from University of Maryland. I was a Rattler for a little bit my first year of law school. So shout out to my family. What is a Rattler? A Rattler, uh, FAMU. And then I did my undergraduate studies at Old Dominion University in in, uh, Norfolk, Virginia, actually, right across the water from Hampton. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was a great experience. I studied public health there and then continued on to law school where I specialized in health law. And so now I am clerking for one of the best judges in Maryland. She's African-American and she's a woman as well. And so it has just been influential, honestly, since I accepted the job in October 2018. She's been a blessing to my life. Um, And so it's just been a pleasure to work under her, just see how she moves, not even just from a legal perspective, but just how to carry yeah. yourself as a woman of God, as mm-hmm. a professional young woman. So, yeah, mm-hmm. it's been great. And I'm sure as a professional black woman. I mean, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And so it's just like she's made it this and far. And what circuit, what, uh, what court circuit is she? So she's in the 6th Judicial Circuit okay. of Maryland, which is uh, the circuit court for Montgomery County. Okay, is that a superior court? Like, I, I don't even so know. So in comparing to uh, D.C., it mm-hmm. is, I guess, comparable to superior court. So okay. in Maryland, we have the district court. We have the circuit court, then we have the court of special appeals, then we have the court of appeals. And so for me, I had worked at the U.S. District Court, um, which is a federal court in Miami during law school. So I was like, okay, I want to get a different feel of how a trial court in um, the state level works. So I was excited. And also, I just loved her personality. There was so many other opportunities that could have came my way, but I felt like I 
had to take it. They say the first early bird gets the worm or whatever the saying is. And so yeah, she was the first person that offered me something. And I was had some other opportunities pending. But I'm just so glad I listened to my intuition because I, I couldn't have had it any other way. So, Raina, you have a very powerful testimony. Yes, um, you have not only just been able to overcome um, different obstacles in your life, but you are a shining light to the world. You, oh, thank you. are you're welcome. You are the epitome of excellence, of black excellence, of resilience. Um and so if you don't mind, um just just share with us kind of sort of, you know, before before higher education and sort of, you know, when you were living in Maryland, like if you don't mind just share with us like some of your own personal testimony of Of course. And thank you for asking that question. It's mm-hmm. it's it's been a journey. It's been a journey. We just thank God that there is a God. That's right. And so um First, starting from the dynamic of my household. So I, like I said, I'm West African from Cameroon. um, And I came from a family. I grew up with my dad with for a little bit. um, But I was fortunate enough that even when my dad was in and out of my life, my mom was a pharmacist by profession and owned businesses and still does own businesses, still is expanding in business um, in Cameroon and in the States. So for me, I was fortunate where although technically, I guess you could say I came from a single mom household, um, financially, that wasn't really a problem for me. Um, Born in Montgomery County, Maryland, went to Howard County Public Schools, was in private school for like the early end of my life since I was like two and a half. And so that that was my economic background and cultural background. And so now fast forwarding to, of course, dealing with dad being in and out of life, you know, that was, um, it was difficult. Um, But I will say that I'm thankful that the unique part about my parents' relationship is that my two grandfathers were like best friends growing up. And um, even some of my, both of my parents' siblings are, very close even though they're like divorced and so that's the unique part of things even when I that's kind of like my light that keeps me going a little bit when I have to deal with the dynamic of the two of them having their differences going up to middle school and my dad then um, that's when things kind of went south with my parents and so now fast forwarding to um 2008 so 2008 is when my mom actually went on Mm pre-trial so um That was a shift for me because, you know, it was scary. I really didn't know what was going to happen in my mom's proceeding. And you were in middle school then or high school? 2008, I believe, was my first year of high school, actually. Um, And then years later, going into my junior year of high school, um, I remember it. It was August. I don't remember the exact date, but August 2010 is when my mom actually... Uh, We dropped her off at a federal prison camp. And so that was literally Mm. um, the most, that was like the shift of everything. Mm. Um, I think up until I actually met you, I don't think I was actually comfortable talking about the subject matter. Mm -hmm. I think having an interview with you is what made me actually talk about it. I think that was probably like the first forum um, where I had to actually speak about where my mom truthfully was, the whole mm-hmm. situation, how it's actually affected me um, because I have an older sister and I know that she 
completely took the circumstances way different. So for her, she was the age I am now. She was 25 at the time. So that's the age as a Cameroonian, you're wanting to get married. Um, you think you're meeting the right person. Thank God she didn't marry the people back then. But, um, you know, shout out to my brother-in-law. I love him to death. And so you think you're meeting these right people and you're feeling like, oh, you can't get married because your mom's in prison right mm -hmm. now. Um, you're close with your dad but not really at the same time and so you have these rifts of you know that was what she was dealing with I'm dealing with oh you know I'm 16 my sister when she was 16 got the brand new car got to drive my mom's Mercedes Benz just little things like that or your mom seeing you off to prom or you know different various obstacles like that that my sister had and I did not have and so um, thankfully, my sister had actually just graduated pharmacy school in 09. So financially, I'm thankful with the way God mapped it out because I had some sort of support, right? It's not like I was like in a homeless shelter or anything like that. So, right. so you ended up living with your sister, right? Yeah. So mm -hmm. I ended up living with my sister during that time. So she was time. living on her own? Mm -hmm. Okay. So, I know that's right. Yeah. So it's like, you know, women, you're 20. Okay. <laughs> you know, so you're 24, 25. You just graduated pharmacy school. You're thinking you're going to move home to mom's house, save your money a little bit. But like that shifted very quickly mm -hmm. in a matter of months. You know, she was forced to have to like help my mom financially. And imagine like you are basically having to support a house that's over a million dollars and four acres when you just graduated with student loans. You graduated with a doctorate, but it's not like what you were expecting to do with your right. 100K check. Like you weren't really expecting to do that. Not to sound selfish, but it's just like as a young person, yeah. you're just not really, right. no. <laughs> not really thinking about that, right? Um, it's just it's like the reality. The, it's like the bird, the bird, the mom, the mama bird just pushed the baby out the nest at that point. Right. You and know? so, um, but once again, going back to tra tradition, you asked me about tradition tradition and I feel like because of our tradition and our background yes we were born here yes my sister was the only one that did a little bit of schooling back in Cameroon um, I was the baby so I, I guess I came when things were you know in a sweet spot so she didn't need to send me back um, my mom was about 24 25 when she had my sister also ra wrapping up her um, pharmacy doctor degree and so she needed that support at the time and mm -hmm. so um Nonetheless, I think it's that foundation of culture and tradition, knowing that your mom basically sends you to school so that if she gets sick or something happens to her, you got to take care of her and you have to take care of your younger ones. And so I'm thankful that my sister and I not only were raised that nothing should ever separate us, not a man, not a friend, nothing. Mm. And so um, I'm thankful that she basically took me as like her first child and even now that she has her own child, it's still that way. It's kind of like even with graduation or my graduation party, it's like um, even with my brother-in-law, it's that um, that sense of he knows that that's how she feels about me. And so now he feels that way about me as well. And so it's just a beautiful way how it's all worked out. Yeah. And so my mom was incarcerated from 2010 up until a sophomore year of college, which was 2014, 2015. Mm -hmm. 2014, I believe. Or no? Actually, I believe... No, because you graduated in 2015. I graduated right? 2015, and my mom was actually at my 
college graduation. So my sophomore year, she was that's when we found out that she would be getting early release. Okay. And so then in 2015, Mother's Day 2015, I believe is when she actually came home officially. On Mother's Day? Wow. Yeah, on Mother's Day. It was either Mother's Day 2014 or 2015. I feel like so much time has passed by that I can't even really remember the years. Um, But Mother's Day, she actually was able to, like, come home. And so that was obviously the best Mother's Day gift ever. Um, And so... It was a it was a challenge for my family just because she was dealing with the emotions of feeling like she let us down, especially that dynamic of feeling like she let me down of not being able to send me to undergrad and not being able to send me to law school like she did for my sister all the way seeing her through. Um, And so I think that she is so um, satisfied now being able to celebrate those last two degrees with me, knowing that. I still made it regardless of what happened and whatever mistakes arose and uh, whatever obstacles may have been, I may have been faced with. Um, And so um, I think, I think she's thankful that I'm the grounded baby. Um, And I had my sheds of tears, my sheds of discouragement or so many people, um, you know, who shielded their own stories. I think I was able to connect with them on another level. um, And even, just stepping into maturity so much faster than I had to. So, mm, yeah. Wow. Yeah. So that's me in a nutshell. But thank you, though. Like, no thank problem. you for because there's someone somewhere who, yeah. who will be who will hear you sharing your story on yeah. Millennial Minds and will be, you know, like, oh, wow, I didn't know she went through that. And, you know, she's so strong and she's overcoming and she's a lawyer and she's really doing big things. Yeah, many so people um, don't know that about me and don't even know that by looking at my mom or my family. Mm-hmm. So that's true for, I think, even on a macro scale where we don't even realize how many people are affected by incarceration mm-hmm. and not just black people or, you know, African, African-American people of color. Like it affects all generation. Yeah. I mean, all um, races and ethnicities that are in the United States. Right. Exactly. And I don't think I knew that until like before I joined the scholarships family. Mm-hmm. I don't think I really knew that I had known a few people in our community, in the Cameroonian community that have been incarcerated but I was very young at the time that they were incarcerated and I mean they're my uncles they've come back uncles isn't like family friends but like no one in my immediate family had ever been incarcerated and even just like um you know public figures that were family friends and family members back in Cameroon you know that were incarcerated and so like that's all I really knew but of course I didn't know their reality. Like I didn't live in their household to really feel it. It was just like, oh, wow. Like I can't believe that uncle or that aunt went to prison. And of course, you know, their kids, I know them as well. They're all like sisters and brothers to me, like family, friends, play cousins growing up. But even still, I I still, I still don't even know that. And I hope that my testimony can help them be able to share their story because I'm sure they have a journey as well. But I think me being able to like publicly discuss it um, helps them realize like, okay, she doesn't have this perfect picture kind of thing. It does. And so, um, you know, well, you mentioned scholarships. Yes. So, and I've actually never really, really shared about scholarships on Millennial Mind. Oh, wow. But it's the first time for everything. (laughs) So would you mind sharing with people what scholarships is and and how you learned about it and, you know, how you got, how Um, you ended up 
hearing about scholarships and getting in the program? Sure. Um, so just to briefly tell you about scholarships, um, as I said before, it started well before 2012 with the Millennial Minds founder and the um, the scholarships founder who is interviewing me now, Yasmin. <laughs> Yazzie speaks. Um, and so well before 2012, it's grown so much that I can't even remember the years. But well before 2012, before Little Old Me came about, it had started. But that's when I became um, one of the... In 2012, mm -hmm. I became one of the first scholars of scholarships. And CHIP stands for Children of Incarcerated Parents. Um primarily um, caters to the uh, students in the D.C. metropolitan area. So D.C., Maryland, Virginia, if you could take the metro there, it counts. Um, I'm sure one day we will expand to other states across and maybe even on an international scale as well. Um, this is just the beginning. It's 2019 and it's grown so much. Um, and so I think that it was beyond um, me being able to get care packages and finances renewable finances for the three and a half years I was in undergrad and my first semester of law school. Um, it was beyond that. I think it finally helped me shape into my identity that um, parental incarceration was just something that was just part of my life and I had to deal with it. First of all, I went to a high school in Western Howard County, not even Columbia, Maryland, which some of you listeners know. I grew up in Western Howard County where in the cornfields where there's like <laughs> barely any black people. So it's like, you know, dealing with that and dealing with, you know, incarceration and things like that. I my I just used to be like, oh, my mom traveled to Cameroon for business because that was like a normal thing mm -hmm. for my mom. And so for a while, like that was just kind of my thing. Like mm -hmm. it just became my masking mechanism. So, yeah. Um, and now I am an alum, like Yasmin said, and yes. just serving and um, staying connected and just continuing to spread the word. Yes. So, yeah. I'm really just I'm constantly so blessed and humbled and and. I had no, I mean, literally, I could never have, have have fathomed or have known that I would have met you several years ago and just how our relationship has, you know, progressed and will continue mm -hmm. to grow, yeah, you certainly. know, because you definitely, you know, we call each other sisters and yes. we are sisters. Indeed, indeed. And, but I just, I mean, just watching you grow into yourself as a young woman mm -hmm. and embrace your story and the way you tell it now I mean it's just so articulate and you're so passionate it's just amazing right Thank it's you. amazing and and it's an honor to be in your life and to, thank you likewise to be your friend to be your sister um and so you're a lawyer now and you have great ambitions. And I know that you will accomplish everything that you set out to do. And you're Thank going to you. change the world um, with your voice and with your advocacy and your story. Thank um, you. This journey of law school, I hear that it's very, very daunting. <laughs> and that you have to basically shut out everything else just to focus on your studies. What made you decide or why did you want to be a lawyer? And then tell us your experience in law school like what was that like right um so the why of why I wanted to go to law school I had always wanted to be a lawyer even before my mom was incarcerated but I was kind of flirting with the idea of like do I want to first of all I knew I just wanted to help people right but it was like do I want to be somebody's therapist like I was I was actually a psychology major when I first 
like applied to colleges and things like that. I had no idea what public health was. I had no idea what like health sciences was or anything like that. But then I realized like, okay, I want to go into the health field, but I don't want to be a doctor. I don't necessarily want to be a well actually i am a doctor but just a doctor of jurisprudence Um, i just don't i didn't want to be with the blood but i wanted to like help people in Mm -hmm. a sense um and i knew that my calling and my character was suitable for the therapist's mindset i think like informally i'm a lot of people's therapist and confidant but um i don't know that i wanted that to really be my therapist although a lawyer and i know my lawyer friends listening will (laughs) will say that they feel like oftentimes this this profession that we've called ourselves to are is almost like um it's almost like being a therapist in a sense like when i was practicing yeah because you and then you learn about people's issues yeah because they come to you because they have a problem right and you have to to solidify you Mm -hmm. have to isolate the legal problem and so when i was practicing as a student attorney um because maryland permits students to do that under a rule that they have in their um code um and so under supervision you can practice as a student attorney yeah so i got to represent um a few clients one in particular who you know i really just got to i felt like i was a reflection of him Mm -hmm. because in writing his affidavits and in writing a brief to represent him on an appeal and everything it's like I had to become a reflection of him in order to articulate his situation to the judge, right? And so it's amazing how you really, like my client actually even texted me on my graduation day. And so that's how much of a connection we have. And so I can't wait till the day I pass the bar to like just text him and be like, I'm like an official official. So if you ever need anything, you know, I'm here. And Um, we already know you passed it. Amen. Amen. Yeah. So, um, yeah, on the prophetic and everything, it's yes. it's it's in there. Um, so I'm just waiting to walk into the promise. So we got the why. That's really why I just knew I wanted to be an advocate. I knew I had the therapeutic mindset. It was just a passion. But going through undergrad, I was kind of like, uh, like I don't really know how to mesh, merge this whole health and the law thing. Like I didn't really know how to do that. You know, you just talk to more people, and that's how I got into the whole aspect of health law. Um, initially, I was just going to get my bachelor's and just go on and get my master's in public health. And just I was like, uh, I can make a lot of money just getting my master's. It's not that serious. I don't need to go to law school. But then, you know, I something God spoke to me, basically. And it was just I just knew it was my calling. And mm-hmm. so that was actually my why throughout law school. Not only, you know, did I deal with parental incarceration, but also dealt with the fact that God says so. So when God says so, you can't go and be a nurse because, I mean, I probably would have passed my nursing (laughs) boards and everything, but it's just not what, what it's not my purpose. It's Mm -hmm. not what I was called to do. Mm -hmm. And so that was what kept me throughout law school. And so through law school is a very, um, it had its daunting moments, but I tried not to look at it like that. Um, And I wouldn't say I was actually the typical law student that shut themselves out. Um, I think if anyone who follows me on Instagram would probably ask if I still was in school or if <laughs> I still was like doing my thing just because I tried to be very balanced. But when it was time to play, it was time to play. When it was time to work hard, mm-hmm. I was working hard. And so um, I took some of my best trips throughout law school, honestly. Nice. Um, and so 
it really just taught me to trust myself. I think if I had to put law school in a quote, um, it's really taught me to trust myself, like to trust um, that I am intelligent, that what my intuition says is correct, and that there'll be bad days where you feel like throwing your books out the window or in the Atlantic Ocean. But, <laughs> you know, you just have to stand grounded in what what God has called you to be. And if you know you want something, just shoot after it. And so that's that was my process of just realizing my why and the light that had mm-hmm. to keep me going. Um, you definitely meet different types of personalities for sure. You meet the person, everybody who was smart in undergrad and you think that everyone is everyone is ahead in the readings in class and everything like that, but that's not really the case. Everyone's just trying to gauge where everyone's at, and it's mm-hmm. this stiff competition. But I thank God that God revealed to me who I was called to be because I didn't have to compare myself to other people. Unfortunately, I dealt with some people who felt like they needed to compare themselves with me, but really I was always... You know, you always going to have somebody who want to compete, you know Yeah, I mean? and right. I mean, a little competition is <laughs> nice, right? Keep you on your feet. Right. But, um... <laughs> But, you know, um, I was always the friend asking my friends, like, you know, what are you well, not even really yeah, friends, classmates, whatever you want to call them. You know, I was always the person saying, like, you know, what are you interested in? Like, are you still looking for jobs and just sending jobs, scholarships? And some of my men- mentors rather would be like or people who I looked at as mentors. I feel like I have several unofficial mentors, mm-hmm. but they would be like, why do you do that? Like law school is supposed to be competitive. Like, why do you give people information? And I'm like, I mean, we can all apply. It doesn't it's not a problem for us right. all to interview for the same thing or all apply to the same thing and right. or even if I don't apply, it really doesn't matter. It's about whoever God picks is right. who they pick and that it'll be meant for them. If I don't get picked one mm-hmm. time and I get picked one time, you know, it doesn't matter. All I want right. to know is that I've been able to if I know something and I know you that's what you're interested in, you're interested mm-hmm. in tax law and I see a tax law job, I'm gonna send Yasmin the tax right. law job. Or if I know somebody that works there, I'm going to do my best to help you and um you know, it's just an interesting um, aspect and it really taught me to separate friendship from professionalism as well. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of the times you get cozy with people and sometimes it gets taken out of hand. So it's really taught me a lot of life experiences. I've met some of the best people. I've met some of the best people and some of the most unfortunate people throughout law school. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, you say unfortunate, but I, I yeah, get what you, you mean. know what I mean. Probably and the so- spirit. You right. Know, the spirit, um, not everyone's spirit led. I had some amazing friends and an amazing network that helped me throughout the bar exam and everything like that. And even just throughout law school in general, not everyone is spirit led um, and not everyone knows what they're called to be. And so people will say all types of things about you. People will misinterpret all types of things. Um, you know, people will people will say that you think you're better or, you know, who does she think she is? But Oh, trust me, I know. Really, honestly, <laughs> honestly and truly, it's just God just happens to reveal to me who I'm called to be. And so I am in my host in my most humble fashion, um, just thankful to to be where I am and just embracing what I have right now and going through my adjustment phase of getting used to post-law school, post-bar life and all of that mm-hmm. good stuff. Yes. Raina, mm-hmm. listen, thank you for coming on Millennial Minds and my sharing pleasure. some of your story. My pleasure. You're very inspiring. Just thank keep you. up the great work. Thank you. And then also tell us where we can find you on social media. Yes. Yeah, so you can find me at 
on on Instagram at Catch Some Rays. Um, everything is spelled correctly. Catch Some Rays, like catch a ball, some rays, like sun rays. Um, I'm on LinkedIn as well. Um, and I also have my own podcast, which I will be back to called okay, Favor Glitter. Yes. yes. What's, what's the name of the podcast? It's called Favor Glitter. Favor Glitter. I yeah. Like that. I thank like you. That. So um, on my social media handle, you can find me on there on Instagram. I love it. Thank you, Raina. No problem. All right, everyone, you are listening to WERA 96.7 FM, Arlington, Virginia. This is your girl Yazzie Speaks on Millennial Minds. Till next time, peace.